Hey guys, welcome back to the sixth episode of Mommyhood to Menopause. I'm here with Lorraine today, and we have got some really interesting topics. I want to start off, Lorraine, with an article that I read, and it's about millennials and how they are lining up divorce in their brain right before they get married. They're talking <laughs> about prenup, and it's not your typical prenup. It is, of course, obviously, they're, they're going to cover their wealth. But they're talking about covering future wealth. They're talking about a prenup for debt, prenup wow. for future money, and get this, prenup for pets and embryos. Wow. I know. I know. It's. I mean, that's kind of a lot to take in. I feel like, hmm, me personally, like let's take embryos, kids, pets, wealth, everything off the table. Just the word prenup like makes my ass pucker. And <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I'm sorry. But here's here's my whole thing. I think and I love my husband. And my husband was better established when we got married than I was. He's also 9 years older than I am. Right. But if somebody said the word prenup to me and asked me to sign one, to me, you're already writing off the marriage before we ever got off the ground. And I'm not interested in that kind of a life. Like, I'm literally doing this one time and it's till death do us part. Whether I kill you or you kill me, like, we're in this together. Okay, so let me say this. I 10,000 times agree with you. Okay, however, um, I thought that too. That's and, fair. Yeah. You know, and as, and I would never, even tomorrow, next year, five years, I would never be with someone who wants a prenup. But I kind of understand that when you go through a divorce and, you know, and nobody ever thinks you're going to. I was the last person on earth that would have gone through a divorce. Yeah. But that being said, um, people change, girl. Like they, the person you're married to is not the person you divorce. If you had to do it all over again, would you get a prenup? No, no, I don't believe in that. Like, okay. I 100% don't. But I guess my thought is, you know, oh, my God, you're crazy. But mm -hmm. people do get a little psycho and vengeful in a divorce, even in a great divorce. It would be me. I'm raising my hand. That would be me. I would be the psycho crazy, like, Real, vindictive. Okay, so my thing is, I've always been like, um, you know, I think that hurts me more than it hurts you kind of person. Yeah. So I am not the vengeful. In fact, I'm going to be the nice guy. But, and I think, you know, in the long run, I think you come out ahead. Oh, I'm petty as hell. But, <laughs> we kind of we get you straightened out. It goes bad more than it goes right. And I'm not naive to that fact. I mean, if my husband ever cheated on me, like, of course I would get a divorce. But at that point, you cheated on me. I'm also taking half of your shit. I, right. And I agree. And I totally agree with that. But I think that the mindset of the younger generation, and I know I sound like this little old lady, but it, it is a fact, they are they are out for themselves more than they're out for... Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? And so I feel like... I feel like that's what a prenup is, though, right? No, that's what I'm saying. It's that, selfish. That's why it's okay with them, you know? Um, and they probably, let's say half of them, have watched their parents divorce. Yeah, that's they've true. They've seen the bitter. They've, seen, they've watched the dad... Or the mom turn oh. against the other, and and so they're like, 
I know what happens. Like, I know what's reality. I know what reality could be. Yeah. And so I'm protecting myself. Barb, I think you're changing my mind about prenups now. I don't know. I I mean, (laughs) I'm still this person who believes that there is real love, that there is romantic love, that there is somebody who actually wants to be your better half. Yeah, I mean, it's not for me, but I can, I kind of right. see that yeah. side of it I now. Mean, I, it's definitely not for me. If somebody, again, like you said, if somebody starts talking to me about marriage and then we start talking about a prenup, mm-hmm. honey, you can walk. Yeah, I'm already writing off. Right. If you're going to write it off that easily, then right. I don't even want to get into if it with you. If you're preparing for when we separate, right. like, forget it. So, But I do understand that their mindset has seen so much and, you know, divorce is so prevalent. And I mean, trust me, I am divorced and I'm against it. Like I, it's, it's not good on in any direction, but I get why they are like, okay, this, this is a real possibility and they're prepared. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, you know? that's true. And I mean, this is strange to me hearing what they're, they're doing these prenups over. I've heard of a post-nup. Once you get married, maybe you come into some money and somebody's yeah. very successful. But at that point, like, I mean, what are your options? Well, I mean, and even then, you know, that that actually worries me more because now that you have some money, you're thinking, well, we might not work out Mm -hmm. like or now that we're two years in and then you come into some money, you're thinking, I'm not sure about this chick. You know, I I don't like that either. Like that's going to define the relationship. The You know what I mean? I I don't know. But that's life, girl. Okay, so break this down for me. They're asking for prenups about debt. Yeah. Is that like who takes care of the debt leaving the relationship or who is like if we if you and I get married, Barb, and you have debt and I have debt, if we separate, you're taking the same debt that you brought into the relationship. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Like you're not, we're not splitting this debt 50-50. Okay. Right. Because um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people get married to like, I don't know. I mean, not to pawn it off, but they end up pawning it off. Well, I mean, I think it's just, yeah, it's it's sort of a, a result of the relationship. You know, you blend and so everything blends. Um, I kind of get this one. I, I don't I don't think this is horrible. I mean, it is what it is. You got to own who you are and who who you are now. Um, but again, the prenup thing is just not not my my taste. Yeah, I think it's and and you know, so many people have student loans that are insane, and then they end up not even going into the field. They're making half of what they would have made, you know, and that that was the cost of the education. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's not a horrible thing. It's understandable. I've you know, and if you're going to do a prenup, you might as well go all the way. I mean, that's what, you know, I mean, you might as well. This just reminds me of like two quick stories. So I dated a guy before I met Dallas who was going to school to be a uh, anesthesiologist and went all through school, got in his career. We were still good friends, like even after we broke up. And I remember talking to him one day and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave my practice and I'm going to go be a computer coder. And I was like, What? I was like, you went to school for all that time and you put all that into your career just to figure out that like, hey, this isn't my passion. I don't want to be an anesthesiologist anymore. I'm like, you're making hand over fist. But he just wasn't passionate about it. I'm telling you, I know so many people like I, almost everybody I know who start out in one field and they end up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a prime example of that. You know, I never dreamed I would be blogging about fashion, you know, and I mean, I've owned a store. I, I've I started a wholesale company for children's dress. I mean, I've done a lot of crap yeah. over the years and, you know, there's been cost to it all. So I, I kind of get that. And then obviously the school debt is insane. But, you know, the, the ones that blow me away are the ones for the embryos. Like <laughs> I, I that is just it's beyond. I mean, so 
Sophia Vergara. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So Sophia Vergara and her ex had embryos together. And they froze them. Obviously, they didn't end up using them. They aren't together anymore. She's with Joe. And the ex is fighting her over the embryos now because he wants children. And she's like, well, that was my embryo. Like, we're not together. I don't want to have kids with you. And he took her to court for it. And, like, it was this long, drawn-out process. He didn't end up winning. But this would have been a perfect... And maybe this is the post-nup. You know right. what I mean? Like maybe you enter into the relationship not realizing that you have fertility problems. And then you go down the road and you end up harvesting eggs and going through IVF and all this other stuff. And you break up. Then what happens to those embryos? So maybe that's a good post-nup to have if you have to go through that process. I think the pet thing is really interesting, too, because how often do you buy a pet together and then you break up? Right. Even just break up. I started just dating. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've seen a lot of couples do that. I, I I mean, I think, I don't know, you know, it's really interesting. Um, back in the day, you didn't have these decisions to make. You know, I mean, nobody had embryo. There, right. It just wasn't a done thing. So, um, you know, with with all of our advancement come a lot of different different problems and decisions that have to be made. The pet, the pet thing, I mean, I would rip your head off for my pet. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, like, I love her. Um I have an ex-boyfriend that I, so when I had Woofer, who is my since past Yorkie, who I'm still not over, and I pretend like he's at the vet, I'll work that out in therapy one day. What? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that at a, oh. at a later date. But uh, I, to me, Woofer is still alive and well, he's just at the vet. Um, but I bought that dog with my ex-boyfriend in high school, by the way, and we ended up breaking up like... Probably nine months after that. Like in high school, you bought a pet with a guy. Yeah, uh, I always dated older guys. I was in, I was graduating when we bought. Like okay. we bought it on my graduation, and then we were gonna move in together. We lived together for a couple months, and then we realized that we, you know it wasn't gonna work out. I was gonna go my separate ways. His was gonna go his, and I was like, "You're not taking the dog. Like I will literally." fight you tooth and nail for this dog he's my dog even though we bought it together we bought it for my graduation but like you didn't think like when you looked at the dog you know what i mean it wasn't like that breakup where i look at the dog i think of you i I don't want to see the dog i'm sure some people feel like that i'm the kind of person though i'm like a switch when i'm done i'm done and it doesn't matter like i don't put that that emotional attachment on things i i'm like that too like i'm done it is like a switch it's kind of weird Mm -hmm. to be honest because you can just absolutely do me so wrong for so long and then it's like okay finished and you, it, I don't have emotion about it however you know like an outfit that I wear I'm like eh, I don't want to wear that really oh yeah you have that emotional attachment to like an ex oh yeah really yeah. to clothes especially to clothes like I have stuff that I have like I had when my kids were little that mm-hmm. like something special took place and I mean it, it, I don't wear it but you know does that make me a mess no not at all (laughs) i think it does but but i do i have that yeah for sure i think it probably makes me a mess because my husband is he has an emotional attachment to things too and like i call him a hoarder and i just get rid of things behind that's what my kids say they're always like mom you're such a oh we can't get rid of that because that was when you're you're kidding yeah but i mean it's just a 
it's a memory for me. You know? I know. My husband had like speakers and an amp from when he was in college. <laughs> and I'm like, you're never even going to plug this thing in again. It's just taking up that space and girl, collecting dust. No, that girl is an attachment to his youth. Okay? Yeah. Oh, That's for sure. all it is. It's like, I used to be young and fun. Now I'm a big, you know, I'm a worker who starts fires. But I couldn't get him to get rid of it. So when we moved from Florida to North Carolina, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll put it in the U-Haul. And I never put it in. I got rid of it. He never even knew the difference. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. You can't I, do that. I know. I'm a bad person. <laughs> Oh, my God. Otherwise, we're, ne- we're never going to get rid of anything. We'll live in Hoarder's dream closet forever. Oh, my God. See, that, but that makes him like, don't you think that seems like he has a tender heart? Like, I love oh, that. yeah, and I love that then about him. Then why do you want to crush that by taking the man's speakers, girl? Come because on. Because we don't have enough room. We would need, like, an 18-bedroom mansion to house That's all the crap he wants hilarious. to hang on to. Literally, I have a storage unit. I'm not kidding. Do you Really? Does that make me? I, no, not, no, no. We used to, but that I that's where I got rid of a bunch of stuff. When I we moved. have a storage unit, and it has like certain things. And my kids, like, we'll go in there, and I'll be looking, you know, for something. They're like, "Why do you keep all this crap?" And I'm like, "This is not crap." Like that. <laughs> I think you look at it like it's my life in a box. Yeah. Right. You know. But anyway, yeah, the whole embryo thing, I get. Um, the dog thing, I don't know. I mean. Those are like your fur babies. I understand the dog I thing. Get the, I get that they're your fur babies, but they were yours together. Like, yeah, but I, then who gets them? Do you share custody? I don't want to see you after we break up. I'll get a new dog. Oh, you're just like, going to write them off? Well, no, I mean, you know. This attachment to, to your clothes, but you have no dress, attachment to the me, dog. No, I love do- no, don't, I love my dogs. I do. I love, I love animals. Okay? I say that, and I mean that. But I, I guess to me, it's almost like... I just don't want to remember all that, you know? Yeah. It's like, let me just erase that. So, yeah, sure. I'm done with that. Uh, <laughs> well, since we're talking about babies and fur babies and embryos and everything else family-related, I do want to touch on pregnancy for a second and kind of what they don't tell you about pregnancy because there was a hot topic. There was a commercial that got banned from the Oscars by Frida, and it focused on, like, the postpartum journey afterwards which i feel like nobody told me about the first time around i had an awesome pregnancy with cashton i had a very positive delivery the worst part of my delivery with cashton was getting my epidural i was that was the best part for me that was the worst part but i'm afraid of needles girl i don't like needles but when i'm in that much i'm leaning over literally i remember it like it was yesterday i'm like shoot me (laughs) do it yeah am i am i down fart do i need to lean in more like oh i was ready for the needle oh see here's where i got caught up i had this doula that i took classes from and we became good friends so when i went into labor i texted her and she was in the hospital so she came to come see me and or I shouldn't say when I went into labor, when I went in to be induced into labor, right. she stopped by my hospital room when I was five centimeters. My water hadn't broke yet. And I to me, like it felt like a period cramp. Oh, really? So yeah. Five centimeters and you're having a period. Cramp. Yep. I'm like, it's not that bad. Like, it's nothing that I couldn't handle. I was on the ball. I was walking around the hospital like I was doing things. We were playing games. And she came in and she's like, oh, girl, you're five centimeters and you're not really feeling this. She's like, you've got a high pain tolerance. She's like, you could do this without drugs. Okay, I have one thing to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot to say about it now because I got about an hour outside of that and they broke my water. And I was like, all right, I'm ready for the epidural. And then the uh, guy couldn't get to me for like another 45 minutes. I thought I was going to die. It is is intense, right? And I mean, I have a very high pain tolerance. No, I give shoot me up now, <laughs> like right 
the minute I could get that epidural, I was I was all over that. Well, so I between the time that he could get to me and the time I said I wanted my epidural, I was so close to like not being able to get it. When he finally got to me, he rushed through because you know they shoot you with lidocaine first, and then they put the epidural in. Right. He shot me with lidocaine, and my contractions were so close together. He didn't give it time to kick in, and he hit me with the epidural, and I was like, "Mf or I feel everything," <laughs> and I'm like digging my nails into my husband's, you know shoulders because you can't move and then afterwards once it finally kicked in I was having a conversation like this again and I pushed having a conversation like this no problem whatsoever like the epidural was literally the worst part of my pregnancy but you know there's the after stuff when you go home from the hospital that nobody tells you oh girl you you, did you have an episiotomy I did so I had a uh, I think a level two tear and you know you have to get stitches afterwards When they sent me home from the hospital, I was not prepared mentally for what I was experiencing. Like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't realize that, like, I mean, 90% of people have a tear or an episiotomy. I didn't. I didn't tear at all. Oh, you didn't? No, either, see, you I, had two pregnancies and I didn't tear See, time. you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. I went home with stitches and, like, I couldn't sit, couldn't lay down. I was basically in a diaper for six weeks and I didn't feel, you know, they send you home with, um, like, a, a heavier drug for the first day and then they move you down to, like, an ibuprofen 600. I was like, yo, I take this for a backache and a headache. I'm like, I need something more than that. And they're like, we can't give you anything more than that. See, I came home and I, the, my first pregnancy, I'd broken my tailbone oh. when I was pushing. I, in fact, what? I, well, I was completely numb and I had a really easy delivery, like super easy. Uh, it doesn't sound like it. No. You broke so, your damn tailbone. Yeah, but here's what's <laughs> weird. Okay, no tear. And so when, when I'm, you know, my episiotomy is wearing off. So I'm starting to feel a little bit. And I remembered when I was pushing, like those last moments of pushing, I've, I don't know if I felt it. I feel like I heard it, but I'm sure it was just a, you know, like a pressure. And it went like, just a, you know, and I was like, God, what was that? Kept pushing. And so I'm starting to come alive, you know, down there. And I'm like, dang, I'm sore. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're going to, you didn't tear. Like, and I'm like, no, it's like, I can't move. Mm -hmm. And so they do an x-ray and he's like, well, you fractured. Yeah. And so it was literally I mean, girl, I sat on a donut for eight weeks. I was popping meds like crazy. So it was really, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, but. See, they don't even, t- like, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Uh, yeah, neither did I. And and here's what's funny. Like, because it's not a norm, like, people were like, oh, that's too bad. And I'm like, are you <laughs> ki- too bad? I can't get up. Like, Thanks it was. nothing. Yeah, and I've got this new baby I'm carrying around, right? And it was, it was a little rough, but. um yeah, that was rough. But I feel like an episiotomy would be worse. I don't know. I just know I got, I was like at six weeks, and I remember calling my doctor saying, I don't think this is normal. I don't think I should be in this much pain still at this point. Right. And she's like, just give it one more week. And then finally, at like seven weeks, I started to feel a little bit better. But, you know, they don't tell you about the sits bath that you're going to have to, you know, do to yourself and the changing of basically bloody pads for you know yeah, yeah. weeks at a time and that's the commercial that got banned from the oscars it was a woman getting out of bed her baby's crying and she goes to the bathroom she's sitting on the the commode and having to do all those things now they don't show anything they banned it they banned it from the oscars because they said it was too graphic it was a frida commercial and it was it was basically highlighting postpartum and the stuff that they don't tell you about 
And it was such a hot topic. A lot of moms were like, no, this is stuff that people need right. to see. Yeah. This is this is why. And I don't want to say men have no compassion for women when they when they have children. But they are, there's just an uncomprehensive compassion that you can't have well, there's no until empathy. you've gone through there's it. There's no empathy. Because, right. And they can't have that. I don't really blame them because how are you going to have empathy for something you have absolutely zero relationship with? Sure. But at the same time, um, I guess, you know in the movies or in a show or whatever, it's always, you know, this twinkle in your eye as you pick your newborn up out of the crib. And there is that, okay? But there's also, and not just like personally, physically, you know, my second had colic. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like I literally would go and take him for his checkups and I would just be sobbing because I was so exhausted. I was, I remember the year I had him, um, the Olympics were on. And I saw every event. <laughs> like it was yeah. like I was up every hour. You could have been a commentator oh, at that point. Girl, I mean, you mentioned that year. And I'm like, oh, saw that. Yep, saw that. It. I mean, and it was. It was. You get, or, or maybe I got, um, because sleep really affects me. Mm-hmm, me of. too. And so I remember long, and this was like six weeks of it. And so, and you know, my husband at the time, he was a big help. But after you lose three or four nights sleep. You don't bounce back from that quickly, and no. your body's already been through, you know, hell trauma, night. right? Right. So it was, it was rough. It was a rough time. Now, did you breastfeed at all? No, and, and that's another issue. Like I remember walking around in this, you know, tight sports bra. Now your with, boobs are engorged. And gore. I've got cabbage. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. I have cabbage that out. I'm changing out every hour, and it's like this is. It's horrible. I do want to talk. We won't do it today, but I do want to talk about breastfeeding in a later episode because for me, I wasn't producing enough and I was, you know, again, you're so hormonal, you're sleep deprived, everything else, your boobs are engorged. Um, I was so worried about being mommy shamed because I couldn't fully breastfeed. Here's what's funny. You know, when I had my children, you know, like I say, 25 years ago. Everybody in the world wasn't breastfeeding. Right. It My was, mom didn't breastfeed. Right. And it was like, it was okay. It wasn't like you're going to be abused, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't do it. It is so good for the kids. Right. And I think that's what I struggled with. But I remember going to my, they like, they set you up with a lactation consultant yeah. that you go and see in the hospital. And then when you're out of the hospital and the one in the hospital is terrible. She's like, just shove his face on there, right on the tit, and he'll, he'll <laughs> oh attach God. himself, you know. And I'm like, it didn't work. Um, and then I remember going to see the lactation consultant, and I was like almost in tears because I was like, you're about to tell me I can't breastfeed on one side, and like I don't know what to do. Like, I, is it clogged? Like, what can you do? Right. Um, but again, a conversation for another time because it was a very emotional uh, experience for me, and I remember, well, yeah, you know, you already feel like. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. This right. is my first kid, you know, and and you want to do everything just perfect. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anyone to lean on because my mom didn't breastfeed. She had right. no idea how to Mine help. Either. Yeah. So. But, and, and, and now it's interesting now when people ask me, I do feel shamed a little. It's weird how you I mean, this is 25 years later. Yeah. So I think it's just the heart of the woman to want to be the best mom you can be I even agree. when you've missed it. And so, you know, um, I think we all need to give each other a little grace, quite honestly, because uh, we never know what the other person's going through. But, yeah, it's it's a lot. After you get home is as much as carrying that baby for nine months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it keeps going. Yeah. If anything, honestly, I think it's harder to be a parent than it was to be pregnant. Oh, yeah. I mean, pregnancy to me was, you know, eat all you can eat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just enjoy it. So, 
I had two really great pregnancies, but um, but yeah, I do think it's it's very difficult. Yeah, uh, and you know something that I'm dealing with now is having to think about my maternity leave. And I work with, I mean, radio is primarily a male-dominated industry. So I, I pretty much work with all guys. And Maybe, let's say up front, like you love your job. I do. You love the company. You love it all. Exactly. And these I'm, men are like really great to you. And they're, they're friends like, of yours. yeah, they're yeah. like family to me. Right. I'm not complaining in any no, way, shape, right. or form. But again, going back to the conversation of a man, because he's never experienced it, even if his wife has, yeah. just it's an uncomprehensional thing to fully understand it. So, you know, we're putting in for our, we, we get to take some vacations and we try to take them all at once so that our ratings don't tank and, you know, right. whatnot. Um, and I just put in for my baby moon, which we're going to Barcelona, my husband and I next week. And when I put in for a week when nobody else was taking off, everyone was like, well, do you have to go during that time? And I'm like, well, if we're going to, I can only fly until I'm 20 internationally. I can only fly until I'm 28 weeks. So I have to take it before Charmac goes on spring break, which is, this is just like a little behind the scenes, you know, radio yeah. nerdy stuff, um, which your ratings tank during that time anyway, and not tank, but they're just not as good as they are when Charmac is in because people are listening in the car as they go to school. Right. So I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I have to take it during this time or I won't be able to go. And then, uh, the, you know, they made it a comment in joking that like, hey, you're going to be off for three months. And I'm like, that's not a vacation, y'all. No, I know. It's it's so and I I really think they think that I think I really believe they I, look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, I hope that they don't look at it that way. And one of my co-hosts, Manny, his wife has had a baby, so he knows the struggle through maternity leave. My my boss, his wife you know, is also had a baby and, and okay, went Okay, but here's it. what's funny. Like, when you say nose, I want to put it in quotes. Yeah, because yeah, funny ears. You, you get, like, maybe what she's going through, but you can in no way really, even, and especially, maybe you see it physically, but the emotional side, they have no clue. Right, and I'm like, yeah, do you know what a vacation is when you're on maternity leave? It's being able to go to the bathroom by yourself for 15 minutes or lay down and sleep for an hour straight right that's a, that's yeah. a that's a vacation when you're on maternity right. Ma- maternity is not a vacation in any way shape or form and i think that's why a lot of women are waiting so much longer to have children because they want that job security before they leave because they're afraid like yes it is illegal to fire somebody while they're on maternity or to move on or to re you know structure your your business and put them somewhere else but at the end of the day like Quite honestly, I'm a contractor. Like, I mean, they could find anything in my contract to be like, hey, we're just going to go a different direction. It has nothing to do with your maternity. And I'm I'm listening to, like, the conversations about when I'm out and who they're going to have sit in for me. And I'm like... That's got to be hard. It's so hard. Like, it hurts my feelings. Right. And you're emotional. And I'm you, like... It, you want to say... Why are you having somebody else in? And right. it's like, well, no, you have to be gone, so we have to keep going. I know, and I know it's the business, and I know that's what it is. But, like, it still, like, hurts my feelings. And I'm like, well, why can't, like, why can't you guys just do it without me? I'm like, you have Nicole, producer Nicole. But they really want, like, that, you know, third mic woman's do you point have a, of view. Do you have a say in who comes in? I mean, then I would probably just sabotage the show. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I love my show. I don't want it to go anywhere. So I would never do that. And I know that, it again, it's just part of the business, but it it just, it hurts to hear like, oh, this person would be really good. And I'm like, well, what if they're better than me? 
Do they? What is the response? I mean, you've said this in front of them. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, we've definitely had this conversation. They think I'm crazy, and they're like, Loren, we would never get rid of you. First of all, I think they love the fact that I'm crazy. I have no filter, and I'll say anything. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people, you know, that are willing to share that much of their life. But you know, in the back of my mind, I always think like, well, there's always somebody waiting in the wings. Always. Always. You know what worries me about that for women is you're gone. Okay, you're you're on maternity leave. But are you really are you really on a leave? Like, mm-hmm. do you feel that you'll no. be checking in? I mean, you, will you be calling and like popping by the station just to just to keep your presence in the air? I did with Cashton, and uh, like I would have to come in and cut my commercials, <clears throat> and then I would pop on the phone with them probably once a week just as a quick check in. Like, hey, what's going on? First time mom, you know? Well, I mean, though, like that's sort of the have tos. I mean, will you personally want to make a point to be seen? to be, you know, in the in the area just so that you still feel apart. Yeah, I feel like I struggle with this and this is something my husband and I have gone back and forth on like numerous occasions. Right. Because I feel a I feel allegiance to the show and I also feel allegiance to my family. So it's like and I always I also said this, after you have a baby, you feel like you're never truly giving 100% to anything ever again. You feel so spread in so many, you know, different relationships and situations, especially if you're a career person, because you you feel like you're letting people at work down when you have to deal with family stuff and you feel like you're letting your family down when you have to deal with work stuff. So for- I think every woman that works outside the home 250% feels that. It's so hard. It is hard. And my husband's like, no, you need to dedicate, you know, to your family during that time because you're never going to get that time back. And I'm like, I got to get that. Hey, I got to tell you, though, this him saying that and this is not your husband, but I get that. Like, right. But at the same time, husband, when you're looking to me to help the household income Mm -hmm. and I feel that. so, So you're giving me all the freedom to go and be the mommy. Right. But then when when we turn a corner and. Oh, you've been away too long. The money's been gone right. too long, whatever. Then I have that pressure. So in the back of your mind, I know you hear him say that, but at the same time, you know you are obligated. Well, then that takes me back to being replaced. You right. know what, That's I mean? what I mean? So like, yeah. it's just this one vicious cycle about the things that go on in your head. Yeah. I think and I, and again, I think it's every woman's head. Yeah. Every every and you know, I'm really excited. We're gonna do a little um a little bit here and there about lady boss, you know, what it means to be a real lady boss. And I don't think anybody has that nailed, to be quite honest. I think what you've talked about today, the balance of it all, mm-hmm. that is the struggle, you know, in the workplace, among women, um, you know, the, the balance between being at home and, and having to be so committed to your job. Also, a lot of women that I know travel. And yeah. you know, so there's that third, you know, ball that you're juggling. It's it's very difficult, and um, and I think that's why so many women feel like they're they're not enough, you know. And and I think you're right in the sense that, and I that's why I want to talk about this this lady boss thing, and we'll have some people on and and yeah. talk about how they do it. But for me, it's like if I ask my husband to step away from his job for three months, telling him like, hey, your job will still be there when you come back. It would be so hard for him to step away from it because he'd know he's coming back to a shit show, basically, because he travels for work. And I'm not coming back to any craziness. I could just be coming back to a void, you know? Well, and I think, too, um, as you stated, your fear is, what if I come back to absolutely no position? Right. 
you know, and you, I really don't believe that's going to happen. I think deep down you don't believe that's going to happen. But as a woman, you feel we know we can be replaced. Right. And and then there's, you know, and on the other side of that, what about this baby, this brand new baby who is not getting 100 percent of you? Right. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. to be, And now you've got a toddler. So, right. you know, so now you're juggling the toddler, the husband. What a conundrum. <laughs> Where are we? Congratulations on your pregnancy. Yeah. No, I mean, it's going to be awesome and you'll get back into the groove. But I think too many women feel that way for us not to have like a real segment on that and really address some issues that we all feel. We just don't talk about it much out loud. Yeah. So we are going to line some of those guests up. Um, maybe even as early as next week uh, for episode seven, we may have someone on. So yeah, that'd be awesome. you were trying to work on schedules right now, but we'll definitely keep you posted on that. But I think that does it for today. Yeah. Too much. That was, it's kind of a heavy way to end it, right? But, <laughs> but we have some answers coming your way. So. Yeah. A lot of marriage and family topics today. Yeah, so. I love that. You guys have a great week. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at mommy, the number two menopause. And then our personal um, blogs and Instagrams. I'm at Southern Blonde Chic. And I'm at all of the F words. You guys have a great week.